Welcome to the Como Factor podcast, where the conversations are authentic, the stories are inspirational, and people-centric transformation is always on the agenda. I'm your host, Christine Strobush. And I'm Sonal Trevetti. Today, we are delighted to have Tracy Girth on the show. Tracy is a 20-year veteran of the media, broadband, and telecommunications industry. Currently, she is the VP of Operations for Digital Products for a company called Indigo, which is a science-based company that is helping to sustainably feed the planet. Tracy has a history of scaling businesses, deep experience optimizing the end-to-end customer journey, and is an influential leader inspiring people to do their best work. She's an avid learner with passion for people and the planet. Tracy received her MBA from the University of Wisconsin, and she serves on for-profit and nonprofit boards. Listeners, we hope you understand why Tracy is a perfect fit for our Fem Founders mini-series. Welcome to the Como Factor podcast, Tracy. We are so delighted to have you. Well, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. So I would like to to just kick this off. I think the intro was a was a really good overview of you more professionally, and I'm wondering if you could just um, open up the conversation and share a little bit more about who Tracy is, maybe personally. Absolutely, Christine. Thank you. So personally, I come from hence the University of Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin in a in a small town, and came out with some really great, I'll say, Midwest values. Uh, Since then, I've gone from that small town to live many places uh, throughout the United States and most recently in Los Angeles. Um, Also travel globally for um, professional and for fun. So enjoy getting that diversity of people and places and understanding how others uh, in the world live. Um, as I, as you shared with my professional experience, I um, have gone through a lot of startup and transformational type of journeys professionally, but personally would love to share a, a few more things um, around the idea of getting out of maybe your existing mindset and moving forward through uh, transformational change as uh, you learn more. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to to take a dive there. Now, knowing that you're from Wisconsin, I have to ask, are you a Green Bay Packers fan? Through and through. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So you're, you're a native cheesehead. I'm married into a cheesehead family. So my husband's from Wisconsin and my son. So um, not my son's not from Wisconsin, but he is a Green Bay Packers so that is something else that um, that we have in common. And, you know, we won't say anything about the Chicago Bears on this on this episode. I wouldn't want to um, <laughs> offend Sonal <laughs> on oh, that. Yeah. Right. So, Tracy, here's the big question. If your life story were to be published in a book, what would that book title be? And perhaps what would the book cover say? You know, that's like asking me what my favorite song is or my favorite band, because I have so many <laughs> that it's really hard to narrow down. But I, I would characterize it, 
the title being Forever Learning. And some of the impetus behind why that comes to mind is that I believe learning really allows you to evolve your thinking over time. And that has allowed me to make a lot of the pivotal changes in my life. Um, we talked a, bit, a little bit about the Midwest, but those values are, you know, we believe people are good unless they prove us wrong. So we always lead with um, belief and faith and optimism. For me, um, I'm really rooted in deep friendship and community and the value that brings to happiness. Tracy, that's that's beautiful. I um I, I know it's not so easy when you when you have such a let's say so many diverse options you could choose, but I think that's a that's a great one. And and there are so many people in the world that um that believe you know learning stops when you when you get out of school. And and I think nothing could be further from the truth. I think we should be forever learning. So I think that's a, a fabulous a fabulous title and and should give our our listeners a little bit of an idea about what we may be uh what we may be diving into. So so building on that, could you share with us some of the life goals that you have, you know, you've obviously had a very successful career, you've you've done you've accomplished a lot in your life. As you look forward, what are some of those goals that you're that you're looking to accomplish? I think for a lifelong vision is first and foremost, maintaining those deep friendship and that community, sort of that lifelong um, engagement with those around you. Um, just having the right support system in life is helpful because life can get hard. And the best way to get through those times is to lean on, on those around you. Um, my One of my best um, thoughts on lifelong goals is I don't ever plan to retire. Actually, I don't really even use that word. And for me, that means to always be contributing and adding value to the lives of others and to the planet. It may not be traditional work as I have in the past. It may look a little different along the lines of mentoring or philanthropic work or any way of, of giving back um, to, to the world, yet always be doing something. And so for me, even being a role model, you know, just being able to make the right choices, even, even when it's hard and to be kind and live by example. It's always amazes me that people watch. People watch you even when you have no idea they're watching. And so to you know, live your best life at every moment, because it some some of your actions can inspire people without even you intending them to. So that's how I choose to think about lifelong goals is being the best version of myself and continuing to evolve that. I love that. And I, I love the example or the analogy you gave about about not retiring, but recognizing that whatever you're doing is going to, is going to change and evolve uh, over time. And uh, I see you in a very much, you know, in a giving world uh, role, you know, really trying, like you said, mentoring and giving and almost paying it forward to, to others. And I, I love this, this whole um, deep prioritization of, of friendship and community. 
So, so based on that, uh, wondering, could you share, I'm sure you have many, but maybe share with us an example of one of your more significant personal transformation journeys that you've gone through. I would say that one of the biggest examples of how I shared earlier about evolving through thinking that through learning you, when you know more, you can do more and sort of break that maybe line or tradition of what's always been maybe what you've learned originally or what you've done in the past. And so for me, that would be, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, it is the dairy state. So not only is it Packers, it's cheese and meat and beer. <laughs> I'll say those are our three staples yep. in the state. Yep. Um, so that's how I grew up for, for several years of my life. And about seven years ago, uh, I actually, myself and my husband began a transition uh, into going vegan. And, and for those who may not be familiar, vegan is a diet without any plant, I'm sorry, without any animal products. It's fully plant-based. And how that came about was my husband had for years, uh, it was a, a thin person, pretty decent shape, we very active life. And yet for whatever reason, he had extreme stiffness, particularly in his back, but in other parts of his joints. And he was listening to national public radio and somebody was on that had talked about how dairy was one of the top causes of inflammation. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try nothing to lose. So he gave up dairy for two weeks and I'm telling you, it was like, he was a different person and he just um, was stunned. We both were stunned at the change that occurred and so from then on, we just started to study and learn documentaries and um, reading, research, and learn not only does it help inflammation, but without animal products, there's several other health benefits that can be gained. And coming from the dairy state, on the other hand, that's really was you know, our true staple in, in a lot of our meals. So how, how do you do that? Um, and at first the thinking was, there's no way. And honestly, when I tell most people that they're like, there's no way I could do that. And I tell them that's exactly what I said. That's so funny. <laughs> um, but over time, you know, I believe small, tiny changes over time will take you down the road in, in a really fast way. So we um, began this journey and it took about a year of transition and that's giving up different things, substituting different choices. And for the last six years now, uh, we've been fully vegan. And as you learn not only about the nutrition, but there's a uh, animal rights aspect of all of this that I feel probably most deeply about. Um, and so there's a planet. So we are having a pretty significant impact on our planet due to the agriculture of farm produced animals. And so when I combined all three of those, for me, it really totally shifted my thinking, my mindset and really has changed my life in a really positive way. 
I can hear this. I mean, I, I can imagine from where you came from getting this light bulb moment. So your husband tries a diet without um, any kind of dairy for two weeks, sees immediate results, and then you guys go on this journey together. So um, was there ever a point where one of you started to question it? Did I mean, did you, how, how, what was that dynamic between the two of you going through this journey? I guess is maybe a better way to ask that. Yeah, first of all, going through it together, I have to say was much easier because you have somebody who's sharing that experience. We weren't trying to make two meals. We weren't trying to do, you know, all of the complications that could come with a mixed family of, of eating. Uh, so that I'll, I'll lead with that. I would say, so he, he gave up dairy first. I um, gave up meat first. I never was a huge meat eater. So it was easier for me to do that. I was like, oh, I don't mind doing this. And he was like, dairy's not a big deal to me. But the other way around was a little harder. And, and we just slowly um, started to seek out replacements of milk products or cheese products or um, you know, different kinds of proteins. Uh, you know, people, that's the number one question is, is how do you get your protein? And I can give you a long list of much healthier ways to get protein than necessarily through animal products, because with animal products, you also are getting a lot of saturated fats and unhealthy things uh, for your body. So um, it, it's a learning process. And, and the dynamic was we would you know, go along. Um, when I say it was a year transition, it took that long to like fully, we, we would maybe I'll say once a week have something and then it evolved to once a month. And then all of a sudden it just was like, you know, I don't really even miss this. So much of our eating is habit. And if you can get your body to get a new habit, it, it's not really that hard. Um, it's very similar to like if somebody has celiac or some other type of allergic um, condition, they too go, this is the life they live. And um, takes a little planning, but I'm telling you, I, I, if I had one thing to go back and tell my you know, child self, it would be to eat this way from early on. Wow. That's, that's, these are some uh, really wise words uh, for for all of us to to listen. I've heard I've heard quite a few stories of of people doing something similar, maybe not to the level of detail you're sharing. Um, I think um, even Sonal, some folks in uh, in Sonal Circle um, have uh, have made this choice and have seen this um, this this impact in their life. So, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but but what I see here is that you and your husband together going on this journey really had some clarity that there was going to be, you know, some health benefits. I hear you. There was a, there's a deeper why there when it comes to the, to the animal side um, mm -hmm. as well. Was there anything else that, uh, that helped you on this journey to really get clarity that this is the lifestyle change that you wanted to, mm -hmm. uh, to implement? The one thing that for me ended up really culminating out of all of this was I decided that I wanted to live a life without doing any harm. Mm. And I can eat without harming any living being. And when you, again, start to learn about some of these animals and the intelligence and the kindness of them and, um, 
for me, I just decided I wasn't going to contribute. I wanted to live a life without harm. And that makes it really easy. So I don't buy any clothing with animal products either. That didn't start right away. I'd say that's probably the last four years um, because there's all sorts of abuses <laughs> that are you know, happening in that industry as well and the fashion industry. And it's, um, you have to sift through a lot of stuff. <laughs> but for me, it's very, because I'm really clear on that not doing harm, it makes the decisions. I, I can see the cutest thing on in a store and I'm like, oh my God, I love it. And if I look and it has anything in it, I was like, nope, I don't even have to debate it. I don't even have to try to justify it. I just know that I'm really clear on, on not harming. And so that for me was, was a really helpful revelation. How was this, this change, how was that embraced or supported from, from your kind of Wisconsin roots? Well, I think they all think we're crazy. <laughs> that California thing, right? Yeah. How rubbed off on them. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic because so many people in Wisconsin make their livelihood off of the very thing I'm not choosing to participate in. And, and so I respect that they're doing what they need to do to care for their families. On the other hand, I also believe that there are alternatives. So you know, there are many, many of the farms in Wisconsin grow grain and soy and other um, types of crops. And it, again, something very simple is instead of feeding the cow to feed us, just use the crops to feed us. And that still gives the farmer all the income that they need. It just kind of cuts out that middle piece of the harm that ultimately is done with, with the animals. And so fundamentally, you know, there's, there's, there's an interesting, I'll say, alternative path here. Um, but it, it, they, they, um, it's really foreign to them. But I can tell you that being here and then demonstrating that it's possible and, and a lot of people comment about, gosh, you guys look healthy and you look happy and, you, and, and that's certainly not 100% of it, but is a big part of it. And we hopefully will set an example for others to at least consider. And I always tell people, look, I, it's not a light switch and I wouldn't expect you to go do this tomorrow, but maybe think about how about one meal a week, just one. Because a lot of people have dairy or meat at every meal they eat three times a day. And so I'm like, well, let's try one. Because if everybody did one, it, it would make a huge difference on the planet or maybe one day a week or maybe a day a month or do something, start small, do something, just change your milk, your, your dairy milk for an oat milk or a almond milk. Just try that. You know, we're not asking for, you know, that light switch. And I think just planting, you know, it, metaphorically, I guess with the farming, but, you know, planting those seeds with people some will pick it up and it'll resonate, others won't, and that's okay. Are people the most valuable asset in your organization? In today's fast-paced and constantly changing work environment, 
The businesses that succeed are those that have people-centric solutions at their core. True transformation is impossible to achieve without it. Christine and Sonal are transformation practitioners and servant leaders with over 40 plus years of combined experience in achieving personal and professional transformation. Along with their talented and energetic team, their boutique consulting firm delivers successful people-centric transformation solutions that are second to none, specializing in custom training solutions in areas such as project management, change management, and influential leadership. Organizational transformation consulting, creative media, and high-performance coaching. Connect with us at Connect at thecomofactor.com to discover how we can bring innovative people-centric solutions to address your company's challenges. Well, Tracy, I'm going to jump in here and I could converse with you for hours probably <laughs> about uh, about this topic, having been a lifelong vegetarian um, and I have definitely dabbled in, in trying to be vegan and I do do that on, on many days. Uh, but uh, anyways, the, very, very inspiring and I love kind of the purpose behind it. But equally inspiring, I'm sure, is your professional transformation journey, having been an executive leader for um, several decades. I'm sure you've seen and gone through a lot of change. Can you maybe share an example of a professional transformation journey, either that you have undergone or are going through currently with our listeners? Yes, I. this is, is more current um, example. And um, over, I'll say just over a year ago, I had left uh, a job um, because it was a unhealthy environment for me. And through some deep reflection, I knew that I really wanted to work for a mission-driven company that had a purpose that really aligned with my personal values. And it was, I have to say, it was a long and arduous process. Uh, if you haven't searched for a, a job lately, it, it's changed dramatically even in the last few years with a lot of the electronic scanning and lots of tech that has come into the process. But also, you know, people are busy and it's just really a difficult um, process to go through. Um, so I say that I really wanted and was committed to, I'll say, pivoting a bit from the traditional technology back, uh, history of my um, professional career into something that was more in the sustainability space. And when I first started with that thought process, I had no idea how I would make that happen. Cause I thought, well, if I want to have a similar level of, of role with the company and yet I haven't done anything in sustainability, how could that work? I wouldn't hire me. <laughs> why, you know, why would somebody now I could, I could I start over and take a much lower role and learn the industry and work my way up. Yes, I could do that. I wasn't all excited to do that, although I wasn't certain if that would be required. 
Um, so in the beginning, I really started to have conversations with people who were in those types of roles or with those companies, those types of companies, and trying to understand what um, was there any correlation to what I have done in the past, um, including my leadership experience around um, change management and organizational development in a lot of the broader categories of, of my work and operations. So I started to go through that kind of interviewing process of a variety of people and learned that many of the sustainability roles that I was interested in were based on a software platform. And I thought, huh, I know software. <laughs> there is a way I can potentially couple my previous experience, yet position it at a company that is focused in the sustainability industry. Christine and I can both resonate very, very well with um you know, being in that toxic culture and then, you know, being free from it and finally finding kind of somewhere where you feel like at home, you know, where you've really found a place where you can have meaning and purpose to, to what you're doing. Uh, but, you know, as you started to describe, I think it must have been challenging, not only from from the fact of just jumping, you know, maybe um, different fields. But along the way, can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges as you were transitioning, you know, you talked about a little bit about uh, the fact that maybe you don't have the necessary, you know, skill sets, uh, more from an industry knowledge perspective. What other things, you know, especially from, I think, uh, an emotional perspective or a mental perspective, what other kind of challenges did you have as you were starting to make this this transition? I would say when when you first leave a role, you, you tend to question and doubt everything. Even though I knew it was the right move because it was a toxic environment that I wasn't going to be successful there. And I didn't want to surround myself with that type of culture because it slowly wears on you and it, you start to justify. And it becomes, I'll say, a bit more normal. And I knew that I did not want that to be my normal. And so when you when you start, you know, searching, um, it would have been much easier for me. It would have been much faster to go back into the industry I had been in and maybe took a small step back just to find something quickly and jump right back in and continue doing doing my work. After each one of those, right, that it slowly chips away at, at your confidence to then think, okay, the next one will be the one. And then that doesn't work out. So it, it is definitely a exercise in, in fortitude to stay um, positive and to stay committed to your overall goal. Absolutely. I think that's uh, that's really really good advice, and I think as women, especially, you know, a lot of us 
face more so than 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 men, you know, the imposter syndrome, right? Even though mm-hmm. on paper <laughs> everything looks 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 great, but for some reason we tend to doubt ourselves a little bit more. Um, are there any tips or tricks that you would offer our listeners, you know, in terms of how to handle that if if that were to come up? Because I think, you know, um, just based on what you're sharing. It certainly seems like you experienced a little bit of that as well as you were making this transition. My advice would be to set a schedule for yourself. I did something every day because it's pretty easy to have the day go by, you know, with house stuff or with family stuff or other distractions. It's really avoidance, right? It's, It's really easy to fall into. So I just, just like I did at work when I was working every day, I had something that I said I would do to work towards my job search. And it was, um, hard in, in the fact that, you know, spending all that time and energy focused on myself was not what I was used to doing. So that was a little shift of mindset. I had to think of myself as my product and this is what I was, you know, selling and what I was responsible for um, making sure others knew the value that I offered and really kind of shifted what I would normally, um, skills I would normally address to whatever service or product um, of my company. Now I was that. And once I did that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I, I've done this before. I can certainly present value and I can certainly prevent present solutions. Um, And then when things get hard, I would say the other thing that is essential is having at least a small group of people that you know you can reach out to and say, I had a really tough day today. Can you tell me a joke? Can you, um, you know, my husband was, uh, I'll give him the props of my, you know, best champion and best supporter through this. I was very lucky with with that to have somebody on my team like that. It doesn't have to be a spouse, but but find yourself somebody that helps you um, just stay in it and that you can vent to, but then also is going to call you on it when they need to call you on it. But having that support system around you, uh, I don't know of another way to get through it. Can you give us some examples of how um, either you had to change your mindset um, during this transformation journey, or did you have to put any additional kind of tools in place um, as reminders, you know, in terms of your, your end purpose? The mindset I took that I felt was kind of the foundation of not giving up on my pivot into the sustainability space was that, you know, we as women, we all work really hard. And if I'm giving 50 plus hours a week to a job, I want it to mean something more than just making money for the company. And and I think for me, that was what kept me on the path to, to making that a reality for myself. Because I knew I, again, I could take something faster, but that likely in a year, I didn't want to be doing this again. <laughs> And so I, you know, kept focused as much as I could. And again, lots of ups and downs, but stayed, stayed focused on knowing that if I found that right role, 
doesn't mean it's forever, but it really will be uh, a stepping stone into that space so that I can continue to hone my skills and, and move forward. Um, the other mindset I'll, I'll say that for me, um, took me a while after I left uh, my last role to really understand is that um, I am not my job. And for years, I identified who I was with what I did at my work. It was such a big part of my life. It, that was who I was. And it kind of a few months in, I received, I just got some clarity around um, the fact that I am more than my job. I am this person who chooses to live my values and my work is something I do. It's not who I am. And again, that might sound simple or obvious, but for me, decoupling my, my self-worth mm. to, to my work was a big deal. Absolutely. And I think so many of us do that. And it's hard not to when you spend 60 to 80 hours a week, you know, especially um, the higher up you go, right? It's it's almost like you're living and breathing it constantly. And um, it's very easy to lose your identity uh, as, as you're kind of going through that that process. So was it was it something that triggered that light bulb moment for you? Um, where you just burnt out? Um, what what happened that that finally gave you that aha moment to realize that it's not the case? For me, it was how long it took me to find a role. I thought for sure I would find something in, I'll say, three to four months. And when it hit six, seven months, I thought, okay, <laughs> wasn't expecting this, wasn't planning for this. And then all of a sudden, it was, huh, you know what? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay not working. Not that I plan to not work, but I I was able to use that time to then start to explore other aspects of myself that would help me realize that work was what I did. And you can that can still be a big part of your life but knowing that the values of my personal life i could incorporate into that as well meant it it kind of just flipped that around for me it wasn't like my because the 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 situation i left that wasn't who i was but that was my job and all of a sudden i'm like huh wait a minute that means I am not my job. And I don't know if there was like one particular moment. It just, I think over time, particularly after it got a little longer and longer between when I left and, you know, finding a role, I think that time um, somebody, so, so my role, uh, previous role was in um, customer service and, and operations. And we had this 24 seven support center and they said to me, well, you know, you're, you are in hyper mode. You were always on for years because that doesn't rest. The, that people always need support in that environment. And, and she had said to me, it can take you a year just for your nervous system to stop being in that hyper mode. 
And, and I was just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but that, it just helps you understand that that wasn't who I was. I was still, you know, the person inside. And, and for me, lots of learning and reading. I took a variety of courses that were really helpful for me. Um, if I can advise um, people who are going through a bit of a transition, that there are some really terrific tools out there. Um, happy to, to share if that's appropriate. Absolutely. Is there a favorite book or um, podcast or uh, just a learning tool that you would suggest for our listeners that, that want to have this forever learning mindset? So there's, there's three and I'll make it fast. Um, and they were actually all courses, but they, at least one of them has a book, but the, the first one I took was, um, the science of happiness. And it's a Coursera course, um, through Yale university and just incredible, um, insights on what we think will make us happy and what truly makes us happy. So that was helpful, um, to anyone believing that a job is, will be happiness because it won't be. Um, another one that I thought was incredibly informative was one called Designing Your Life. And that is a book. And that was a course also that was offered from Stanford, um, both free courses. So this isn't a big paid course, but they take uh, design thinking, how you would you typically apply to like a product development team designing new products and they design it, they use it, they apply it to your life. And so you actually get an opportunity to try to design your life intentionally. And that was really eye-opening for me. And then the last one I did take up because I really wanted to step into that sustainability space, but I lacked the confidence because I didn't really know the language or um, a lot of the ins and outs of the vocabulary and, and just the industry history, that type of thing. So I also took a sustainability course um, through MIT and that was a paid course, but it was led by an MIT instructor, but it was an eight week um, overview, which is just, again, if, if you want to go into something a little bit different, educate yourself enough so that the confidence in the interviews or the conversations is there because now you have a, a little bit of a framework to work from. But all three, you know, any kinds of learnings that help you, um, I would highly encourage. Thank you for sharing those resources. They all sound really incredible and I might even check out one of these <laughs> myself. Um, so I remember a conversation that we had on our Fem Founders group last year sometime. And I just remember um, we were going around the round table and I just remember at the end of it, I felt after you spoke uh, just about where you're at and where you wanted to go, I felt like you were very confident and you had a lot of clarity about, um, you know, the path that you wanted to, to go down on. And it seems like it's kind of come full circle with what you talked about with Christine earlier on the podcast about, you know, being more conscious about just your vegan lifestyle. And now, you know, the organization that you're working for also, you know, is, is really focused on sustainability, right? Um, and it seems like everything's kind of come full circle for you. And a lot of what we talk about on the Kamal Factor podcast is about 
you know, holistic transformation, it's got to be both on your personal and your professional life. You know, that's, that's what we mean by holistic transformation. So is there any other, um, you know, takeaways or advice that you would offer us in terms of just combining all of that together and ending up where you did today? One of the things that I learned along the way is that, you know, we always, or I always felt that I should know my purpose. It should be clear and um, easy to understand what my life purpose is. And actually in the Designing Your Life course, they have researched this and actually only 20% of the population has a pretty decent understanding of like they were young, they always wanted to be a singer and that's what they went to do or always wanted to be a doctor or always wanted to be, you know, from a young age. That's a very small portion of, of the population. The rest of us in the 80% really spend a lifetime searching for what it is that we feel we're meant to do. And when I learned that, I thought, okay, it's not just me. And I'm fairly normal because I'm in that 80% because I didn't really ever like, this is it. I would say as, as I went through this process, I did learn that setting one attention at a time. So right now I want to be in sustainability. That doesn't mean it's forever. And I, in my mind, I would always get a bit caught up, like, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? So it's like I had to pick one thing. And in, in the designing your life philosophy, it's you can do many things. I might do this for 10 years, but then I'll do something else for the next 10 years. And, and for many of us, um, being afraid you don't pick the right thing holds you back from picking anything. Mm-hmm. And so if you know that, hey, I'm picking this for now, but I'm going to continue to learn and I'm going to continue to evolve my thinking and I can make the next best choice down the road. And, and that was really freeing for me because otherwise I was caught up in what if I choose the wrong thing and, and I'm not happy or whatever that result may come out of that. But now I think I'm making my best choice today. And maybe even as soon as tomorrow, I make another choice, but likely down the road a little bit, I can continue to make a choice based on what I know at that point. And um, that's given me some solace and maybe will help some listeners too. That is fantastic advice. I love it. Love it. So just um, as we kind of wind down and close up uh, our conversation here today, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests is, if you could think back, Tracy, to a younger version of yourself, say 10, 20 years ago, um, and you could, you know, write some advice for yourself on a postcard, what what would that say and why? Well, I mentioned earlier, I would definitely tell myself to go vegan earlier. And that's <laughs> just because it has been that transformative for me. I would also say to myself to, to trust my instincts. And that's sometimes hard to do when the world is looking for proof and data and perfection. 
And it's okay to trust those instincts because often, often they're right. And yet often um, I, at least younger me, uh, didn't always do that. I would follow what others advised instead of really trusting my, my gut. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your personal and professional transformation journey with us. We would say you definitely have the Como factor. I'm excited. I'm thrilled to be in the club. Thank you both for um, thinking of me and um, talking with me today. I admire the work you guys are doing and even to play a small part is is very meaningful. So um, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Como Factor podcast today. We hope you got something out of our time together. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your community and give us a like. That's all for today. And until next time, don't forget that you've got the Como Factor.